Drivers, start your engines! It's time for the fastest hour of radio. Southern Race Week with your host, William Barber. Hello and welcome to this podcast edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you here along your favorite podcast location, whether it's iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. We greatly appreciate you taking the time to download, listen in, and subscribe to the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. My name is Alfie, and we greatly appreciate you taking the time to tune in and listen to this brand new week's edition of the Southern Race Week Radio podcast as we have another star-studded edition of the program coming up for you here this week. In just moments, we'll hear from Doug Turnbull of the Performance Racing Network as we recap the NASCAR season for 2023. We'll also hear from Ted Austed of the Atlanta Motor Speedway with the latest in short track news. And then we'll hear from Legends driver Jensen Jorgensen as he talk about his latest win just a couple of weekends ago at the Nashville Fairground Speedway. So we'll have those great guests join us this week here on the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. We'll also have our last racing recap of the year coming up in just moments. But I do want to remind you that even though we are in the middle of the offseason, as the NHRA finally wrapped up their season here this past weekend, we will always be delivering to you the latest in racing news and information throughout the rest of the year and into 2024. Just check out our social media platforms for the latest in racing news and information. Just like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Southern Race Week or follow us on Twitter at SRW Radio and also our email address will still be available so anytime you want to reach out to us via email, feel free to do so at srwradio at yahoo.com that is srwradio at yahoo.com so uh, please uh, check out our Facebook and Twitter page for the latest in racing news and information throughout the silly season and the off season as well. But before we get into our great guests here this week on the Southern Race Week Radio podcast, it's time to bring you your last weekend racing recap of 2023 as the NHRA season wrapped up in Pomona, California uh, this past weekend. And a lot of winners in Pomona. Let's take a look at the winner of Wally Awards. This past weekend, as Doug Coletta clinched a long-awaited first top-fuel title in a winner-take-all final against Leah Pruitt, while Chad Green, Aaron Stanfield, and Gage Herrera also closed 2023 with victories at the In-N-Out Burger NHRA Finals. And to check out other winners of Wally's from this past weekend in Pomona, California, just head on over to NHRA.com and click on Results. But we also crowned some champions as well in Pomona. Doug Coletta's championship winning final round at the In-N-Out Burger NHRA Finals erupted a roar of cheers from longtime NHRA fans who had seen him compete for 26 years and nearly 590 events without a championship. Coletta, a six-time champion runner-up, joined his late cousin, Scott, son of team owner Connie Coletta, J.R. Todd as world champions underneath the Coletta Motorsports banner, whose history in the sports dates back to the early 1960s. And while all of Coletta's second-place finishes in the standings have been cruel, perhaps none was tougher to swallow than in 2006, when he led the points coming to the final round with Tony Schumacher needing a miracle final round victory to get around him. Ironically, it was his current crew chief, Alan Johnson, calling the shots for Schumacher, and the pass that he dialed up, which has become simply known as the run, was a shocker. A performance that was quick enough to win and reset the national record, which at the time carried bonus points, but not too fast to be backed up by his previous runs. 17 years later at the same track, it all came full circle in the same lane from which Schumacher and Johnson beat him. 
Erica Anders didn't need another championship to cement her credentials as one of the best drivers in the history of the pro stock class, but after clinching her sixth Camping World title on Saturday at the In-N-Out Burger Pomona Raceway, she joined a very exclusive club. In pro stock, only Bob Glendon with 10 and Warren Johnson with 6 have won 6 titles, and one considers the rest of the NHRA Pro classes, the list doesn't get much longer, as it includes just John Forrest with 16 championships, Tony Schoenmacher with 8, Kenny Bernstein with 6, David Schultz with 6, Andrew Hines with 6, and Matt Smith with 6 as well. With victories in 10 of the first 14 races and an incredible 46-4 record in elimination rounds, Gage Herrera delivers a 14th NHRA Campy World Pro Stock Motorcycle Championship to the Vance and Hines team. With a long history that includes 13 prior championships during the modern era and more than 100 race wins, the Vance and Hines Pro Stock Motorcycle team obviously knows a thing or two about evaluating talent. It's also likely that even though the most optimistic projections could not have predicted the level of success that Gage Herrera had brought this season. Matt Hagen captured his fourth NHRA Funny Car World Championship in wild fashion on the final day of the 2023 NHRA Camp World Drag Racing Series season, surviving a harrowing and upset-minded field on Elimination Day at the In-N-Out Burger NHRA Finals. Hagen, fellow three world-time champ Robert Height, and Bob Tasca III all came into Sunday with a chance to win the championship that would simply go to the driver who went the furthest in eliminations until they both went out in the same round, in which case points leader Hagen and Dodge Power Brokers team would be the champs. And that's exactly what happened in round two. First, two-time world champ Cruz Pennergrun defeated Tesca to end his bid for a first world championship. One pair later, Jaws dropped across In-N-Out Burger Pomona Dragway as Hagen fell to Blake Alexander. And suddenly the ball was in Heights Court with a win-all battle with Chad Green. Incredibly, Heights car lost traction at half track and Green stormed a victory, setting off a celebration in the shutdown area where Hagen was anxiously looking on. And not only did Matt Hagen win his fourth championship, it was the first NHRA championship for new team owner, Tony Stewart. And to check out the 2024 schedule, it's hard to believe that we're at the end of the season, but the NHRA season in 2024 kicks off in March with the Gator Nationals. And to check out the rest of the schedule in 2024, just head on over to NHRA.com. And that is your last weekend racing recap of the year for you here on the Southern Race Week Radio Podcast. I'm Erica Enders, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand new week edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you here on the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network at Southeast. We continue on with this brand new week edition of Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio Podcast, as we wrapped up the NASCAR season for 2023 at Phoenix Raceway for Championship Weekend. A lot going on in the world of NASCAR as they wrap up the season, and the silly season kicks off, and Man, it's going to be, by the time we know it, we're going to be hitting Daytona for the Daytona 500 and then returning to Atlanta Motor Speedway for the M Better Health 400 race weekend, which will be the second race on the schedule in uh, 2024. And to break down all the NASCAR action from 2023, let's bring it in. One of the many voices you hear during the season covering NASCAR for the Performance Racing Network. You can also hear him hosting the Five to Go podcast as well, detailing everything going on in the world of NASCAR. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in great friend of the show, Mr. Doug Turnbull. 
Got to get my ear earphones replaced now, man. How you doing, brother? Appreciate the good, warm welcome, and thank you for having me on. Hey, well, Mr. Turnbull, we always appreciate it when you take some time to join us here on uh, Southern Race Week Radio, sir. Hopefully you're having a great day today, my friend. It's a beautiful day here in Atlanta. I love the uh, unseasonably warm temperatures we've been having in November. And, and don't wish Daytona too fast, man. Let's let's lick our wounds a little bit. This is a long race season. I was, I was at the Daytona 500, and I can't believe that that was already – about 40 weeks ago basically or 38 weeks ago you know it just it flew by and but at the same point it's a long grind i know a lot of those teams that have been on the road and just you know putting out every single week are, are we going to be glad to have some time to lick their wounds a little bit and, and still answer some questions too you mentioned silly season right and i, I know we're going to talk about what happened in the past of the season but there's still some unanswered questions there so I think some will say that had a bad year. Daytona can't come fast enough. I think a lot of them are going to welcome this respite for sure. And, uh, Doug, before we talk about everything going on in NASCAR, I, I want to get your thoughts on the Truck Series race, which has been a oh. big talk of the uh, NASCAR community uh, over the last week, from drivers to also the people who are covering the races, those who talk about it on the radio and cover it, as as you do via the, the media there with the whole situation with Corey Hine and, and Carson Hostover there. And, um, you know, what are your thoughts on that whole situation as well as the truck race as well? Because, uh, you know, it started late for, for us here on the Eastern time zone. We started at 10 o'clock and it seemed like it went on until, uh, the, the Xfinity race kicked off on, a on a Saturday. So uh, take us through, as yeah. you, I'm sure you were watching that truck race. Uh, take us through your thoughts on how that race looked for NASCAR and well, as, as for yeah. the drivers involved. Look, uh, very selfishly, I was having to do overnight traffic on my radio station, 95.5 WSB that night instead of PM drive. So I, I actually had to sleep through the beginning of the race and then get up in time for my shift because I just I couldn't manage, you know, being up all that time. Right. Uh, so I, the race lasting so late actually played it to my favor. <laughs> Unfortunately, it lasted late for all the wrong reasons. A 10 o'clock Eastern start time. I know that was all TV driven is ridiculous because let's face it. And uh, the whole uh, Phoenix schedule for anything that involved ARCA and trucks is ridiculous. Why are you practicing on a Thursday night? Why is the Arca West race running at two o'clock on a Friday afternoon east? Or you know, it just it didn't make any sense how the whole weekend was set up. I know there was a reason for it, so I'm not saying that I'm smarter than all the people that made the schedule. But if you look at it from a macro view, having your championship race start when most people, frankly, I'm sorry, are going to bed or tuned in and doing something else on a Friday night, and then to have that race be what it was, and it wasn't just that there were a bunch of wrecks and there was I think it was five overtimes if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the, the, because the Xfinity race in Martinsville the week before was an equal embarrassment in terms of not being able to finish a race. The bigger embarrassment, the reason the trucks will carry a greater stain and have be more infamous is because it was their championship race and it was the championship drivers. All four of them got into each other at one point. It was most notable with Carson Hosevar saying he accidentally spun Corey Heim. It was probably an accident that he got into on purpose, right? Like he could have avoided making an accident. I don't know that he was trying to spin him, but he, he made a move that a lot of people that know more about me than driving say he had a low percentage chance of working without spinning him out. And then Corey Heim, again, Georgia driver, I, I'm not saying this overall about his, the, absolutely idiotic to take himself out of maybe being able to salvage a finish there when that race was running as it was and just horseshoeing him into the wall like that. Just absolutely, you know, take it out. And Hosovar, by the way, was out of contention already. Heim had a chance to salvage a good finish, maybe, and completely destroyed it for both in the most embarrassing way. And then just after it, I know we got other series to talk about, but then after that, 
Uh, ben Rhodes ran Grand Infigure up the track. Ben Rhodes got damaged by another truck, too. It's just like, really? You know, that this is what we're doing? And in the end, Infinger probably had that one, but then there was another caution amongst other people that couldn't race, and here we go. Ben Rhodes is able to get around him because Grand Infinger had to pit and fix damage, and Rhodes won the championship. Uh, people are going to say this about Ryan Blaney, too. You know, who's a worthy champion and who's not? Um, who's a worthy champion and who's not in what series? But let's face it, guys, like this – you know, the deal is to be the highest finishing driver out of those four. Ben Rhodes did that, and he made the championship four on strategy at Homestead. Ryan Blaney made it by having a great round of eight. They're worthy champions. That's just what it is, you know. Uh, to have that truck series race, have the championship drivers all wrecking each other instead of racing each other clean like they did on Saturday and Sunday is an embarrassment. Speaking with Doug Turnbull here, the Performance Racing Network, on this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio, and you mentioned Blaney, who was the – Cup Series champion. Now, Ross Chastain won the race. It was the first time in yeah. 10 years that a championship driver didn't win the season finale. But yeah. there was controversy there with as far as um, the way that uh, Blaney thought that Ross Chastain was racing oh, yeah. hard and, and this, that, and the other. And and, and, uh, and Ross was like, look, I still want to go out there and win the race. I wasn't trying to wreck exactly. Um, I just wanted to win the race. And, and he was like, look, you as long as you finish second, you still win the championship. So we all kind of win-win in this situation there. Um, yeah, and, and so here's the deal. They both had a right to be frustrated. Blaney, not because he was get, just getting raced hard, but he felt like he had a much faster car. And by being pinned up behind Ross Chastain, it was allowing Kyle Larson to catch him. All right. That's a fair concern. However, Ross Chastain, especially as the leader, they weren't racing for third. They were racing for the lead. Ross Chastain has every right to fight for the lead. And I don't think there are very many people that disagree with that. Um, so to me, when there's controversy, it's great that both people are frustrated uh, that Blaney wants to ram him in the back. And Blaney could well have thrown away his championship by getting too frustrated with Chastain. There was a point where he rammed him in the back and he got loose up under him one time and that allowed uh, Truex to catch Blaney, which allowed Larson to catch all of them. And Blaney could have thrown it away right then, but he gathered his composure and followed it through. And one thing that isn't getting said very much, but I heard Brian Blaney say this in an interview or read it somewhere rather is that he and Ross Chastain caught up with each other in the media center as the winner's press conference was ending, as the champions one was beginning, and they had a laugh about it. So you think there's all these festering wounds and, oh, man, is somebody going to wreck each other in 2024? No. That was frustration in the moment. Blaney gets infamously frustrated on the radio, turned the page, and Blaney, by not allowing that frustration to cave him in, has shown that he's found another level and is no longer in, like, Ryan Blaney purgatory not winning races and championships. He's now doing both. He won three races this season. Pardon the background noise, sorry. He won three races this season. He won three races this season, and he won the championship and finished the deal. So you can't be upset about that. And before we go, Alfie, I need to give a toast to our Xfinity drivers, To Cole Custer, he lined up on a restart where all the championship four were lined up one, two, three, and four, and he's got a bad restart and still managed to win that race, and they didn't wreck each other. The only one that wrecked was John Hunter Nemechek, and that's because he cut a tire and then got ran into by somebody else. So props to the Xfinity Series for once again putting on the best race of the weekend and the best racing season out of all three series, frankly. Also, Doug, one more thing before we let you go here is Kevin Harvick's last ride. Of course, Kevin oh. Harvick it up after the season, and we can all remember, and I know you remember as well, his first win at Atlanta Motor Speedway uh, following mm -hmm. the uh, death of Dale Earnhardt Sr. in the number 29 car, which also made a, a was also the the car that led the field to um, through the last race at Atlanta Motor Speedway uh, back in July. 
Uh, real quickly, your thoughts on Kevin Harvick? Yeah, well, I mean, for number one, that that moment that you and I were there for, and we got to see the car up close where they actually rolled out the number 29 car at Atlanta Motor Speedway that Kevin Harvick drove in uh, in March of 2001 was unreal. It was just so cool to see that up close. I had seen it in the Children's Museum before, like 10 years ago, but to see it up close and then to go and interview, I actually got to interview Richard Childers while he was behind the wheel before he put it in gear and drove about what it was like to drive that car and him saying that that car had not really been refurbished maybe dust off or something but not refurbished at all they're firing up the car was pretty cool uh, as far as harvey's career itself first off we, I, I feel proud in atlanta that one of the crowning moments of his career was ams and just that that our track here at georgia was a big part of his lure or lore rather um and then also that he was so great at the old configuration of ams with a number of race wins and 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 the Xfinity and the Cup Series, and so, so many laps left. As far as his career, if you if you asked any driver, hey, you're going to get to be a champion, you're going to win every crown jewel race at least one time, you're going to replace a legend and win in the third race replacing him, you're going to get 60 career wins and be in the top 10 all-time of career wins. And I say championship, he did get the one championship. And he only drove for two car owners in a 23-year in career, right? 23-year career. That's incredible. So that, I mean, there, there's, and, and it's disappointing that he didn't get a win this season and that the performance of Stuart Haas racing tailed off those last couple of years of his career. But for him to go winless in 2021, then gut it out and win two straight races last season and show, hey, boys, I still got it. And then for him to come close in Phoenix, he led laps. He led laps in Phoenix and just didn't have it at the end. Um, I don't know if you were moved by this or not, Alfie, but I was. Him having a bush light beer toast with his family and and his crew on pit road. Yeah, his kids, they weren't drinking beer. But And for Kevin Harvick, for at least the second time this week, getting super emotional and actually crying. I've never seen that man get red in the face and cry before. And he did it at the team dinner on the Monday before the race. And then he did it, of course, Sunday after the race was over, knowing it's over, over. I'm not coming back to drive in place of someone injured. My cup career is over. I did it on my terms. But he broke down. Well, Doug, we always appreciate your insight in the world of NASCAR, sir. You've helped us out tremendously here in 2023 as we have our season finale of Southern Race Week Radio coming up here in a few weeks. But uh, we appreciate you always being a part of the program, sir. You're a great friend of the show. Do tremendous work for the Performance Racing Network and also the 5 to Go podcast, which is available at goprn.com if you want to go check out all of that as well. So, Doug, we appreciate your time this year, sir. Uh, Enjoy the uh, the offseason in NASCAR. I know you're going to still be extremely busy with all the other side projects you do, but we're looking forward to having you return for us to help us out in Southern Race Week Radio when we kick off the new season in 2024. Hey, Atlanta traffic keeps me busy uh, year-round, and then it's and we're still going to be doing episodes of Five to Go in the offseason. So it's an honor to be on with you, honored to be on PRN, and hope everybody has a wonderful offseason and keep listening, too. Hey, this is Brandon Hutchison, Executive Vice President and General Manager of Atlanta Motor Speedway. You're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, race fans, welcome back to this edition of Southern Race Week right here on your favorite radio station and your favorite podcast location. We are going to go live now to Atlanta Motor Speedway. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ted Austin. Ted, welcome back to the show, brother. Thanks. Let's talk about uh, short track race news you can use. Let's get it all caught up with Ted Allstead from Atlanta Motor Speedway and talk about East Alabama, Ted. 
Come on. That's right. East Alabama over in Phoenix City, uh, just across the border from Columbus, Georgia. Always been a very good show place. Struggled a little bit during some uh, changeover in leadership and everything, but uh, back going the right direction. Some great uh, leadership over there now, and the racing is back to the way it was for several years. Uh, controlling the action from start to finish here a week and a half ago, a couple weeks ago, Chris Madden out of South Carolina. Smokey drove a brand-new Longhorn chassis to a convincing victory in the 49th annual National 100 over at East Alabama Motor Speedway. The 48-year-old dirt star beat Jimmy Owens uh, by a little bit over a second to win the event for the third time in his career. And what did it get him? It earned him a race record $49,000 payday. Kyle Bronson ended up in third. Ricky Thornton Jr. was in fourth. And Texas Tyler Erb rounded out your first five in that one. Tyler uh, or Thornton, Ricky Thornton, went on to the World of Outlaws uh, World Finals up at the Charlotte Motor Speedway dirt track last weekend. He didn't win the big one down at East Alabama, but he won two of the three races up at the World Finals, including the final night as he continued his spectacular season marked by many wins from coming from the middle of the pack. He started 10th the other night up at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway's dirt track, and he outclassed the field once again, captured the World of Outlaws uh, season finale, the final night of the World Finals at the dirt track. Uh, the native from Chandler, Arizona, led the final 24 of the 50 laps to pick up the $25,000 top prize to go along with his $15,000 win on Friday night. He topped uh, Mike Marler by a little bit over a second. Smokey Chris Madden had to settle for third place up at the World Finals. Dale McDowell, another driver out of Georgia, finishing fourth rounding out the first five, was Garrett Smith on the, the dirt side of things. Well, you know, it would not be short track news if we didn't talk about all things racing, especially if it's got four wheels and it goes real fast. Ted Allstead from Atlanta Motor Speedway in this edition of the short track news you can use is presented uh, conveniently by Atlanta Motor Speedway with the and Better, Four, and Better Health 400 coming up in February now this year. So make sure y'all go get your tickets now. But, uh, Ted, let's talk about some asphalt. That's right. We, we talked about the 49th annual over at East Alabama. Well, the 39th annual All-American 400, a great race up in Nashville. The Nashville Fairground Speedway took place over this past weekend. And William Sawalich, the young driver out of Minnesota, picked up the victory. He took over the lead uh, with about 88 to go. Held off Derek Thorne. Actually, he, he drove away from Derek Thorne over the final 15, 20 laps. Held him off for the for the middle part of that, that final 100 and, and then kind of pulled away at the end. Michael House ended up in the number three spot. Austin Nason was in fourth place. Willie Allen rounded out your first five. Uh, Ty Majeski, who crashed early on in the field, early on in the race, the 400-miler, 400-lapper, uh, finished five laps down, but in the 11th place, it was strong enough to uh, take home the ASA Late Model Stars Tour for uh, 2023. Uh, some other notables is Josh Hicks, the driver out of Sonoya, Georgia, finished in the number 13 spot. 
And Bubba Pollard, the Sonoya hot shoe on the asphalt side of things, struggled all day, crashed with uh, at the, with the leaders at 212 and finished in the 23rd position. So a, a great weekend up at the All-American 400. Another note here for local drivers and AMS drivers is Jensen Jorgensen won his third guitar uh, winning the Legends Pro Race at the All-American 400 weekend up at the beautiful Nashville Fairground Speedway. Well, you know, Ted, uh, uh, I checked out uh, Bubba Pollard's new uh, new channel, BSing with Bubba. Um, but no, I have not. I like it though. Yeah, like he's got his that. own podcast. He's got his own podcast and his own YouTube channel now called BSing with Bubba, and um, he just basically says he can't afford. To have a car set up for what Nashville and a couple other tracks set the late model series up for and keep that car set up for the rest of the series that they go to. So that's got to make a difference. Bubba, he has funding, but a lot of it comes out of friendships and not big name sponsors like a few drivers have. And he definitely doesn't have the budget that some of these teams have. I mean, you're talking $100,000 race cars and uh, that are set up and built just for the All-American 400. And, yeah. and Bubba's a great driver. He's got a great stable of race cars, but he doesn't have a car just built, like he said, just built for Nashville Fairground Speedway, which is kind of an anomaly. It, it's one of a kind. There, There is no other track like the Nashville Fairground Speedway. So you either got to be really good at setting up a car that you're going to various different racetracks with, or you got to, like some of these guys that ran up front, going to have a car that's specially built for that race and that car. Well, Ted, uh, we wouldn't, uh, you know, try to let you go without asking, is there anything else coming up at Atlanta Motor Speedway for the rest of the year that we need to, you know, be ready for? Because, you know, season's winding down. I mean, you know, like, y'all ever going to close that place or y'all just open it up for camping for in case somebody wants to We're busy all year. We just, like I said, as we were doing pace car rides and, and meetings today with various different clients that we have, but we've got – as far as the racing side of things, the final Legends and Bandolero car race of the season is coming up here the second weekend of November, and uh, they'll follow up the race day with the banquet up in Club One. Uh, it's a great way to uh, finish off a season for the, the drivers of the Legends cars and the Bandolero cars here at Atlanta Motor Speedway celebrate in the luxurious Club One setting. Uh, it's a great season cap for for these young drivers as well as the older drivers we've got some drivers that are that are up there in age that compete with us as well but that'll be the final uh racing side of things but we have a lot of christmas parties a lot of holiday parties uh we go right into racing after the first of january with some tire tests and everything with goodyear and nascar as we prepare for the february 24th uh, weekend and the Ambetter health 400 race weekend with nascar hey this is katie hettinger pro eight mile driver and you're listening to southern race week all right welcome back to this brand new week's edition of southern race week radio for you here along the far flung southern race week radio network itself as we continue on with this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio, along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast, and we're very honored and privileged to welcome our next guest here via the Food Depot Zoom line as he headed to Nashville, Tennessee, and came away with a guitar as he won the United States Air Force Legends Pro Feature event during the All-America 400 Race Weekend at Nashville Fairgrounds. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in great friend of the show, also representing the great state of Georgia as well in the racing world. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Jensen! 
Jorgensen! <laughs> Mr. Jorgensen, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio. Hopefully you're having a great day today, my friend. Absolutely. Can't, couldn't go any better. <laughs> Congratulations, Jensen. We just mentioned here in the open, we kind of talked a lot about it a little bit before we went on the air here. You went down to uh, Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway and came away with a victory in the United States Air Force Legends pro feature event there during the All-American 400 uh, race weekend, which was uh, November 3rd through the 5th. So uh, before we talk about what your future plans have for you in the uh, racing world, uh, take us back there to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and the Nashville Fairgrounds, and tell us a little bit about the win and about the, the race itself overall. Oh, it was uh, it was a good one. You know, it's the All-American 400, so the weekend's extremely busy. So, uh, you know, track time basically is minimal. Uh, you get, you got a practice session and roll kind of straight into qualifying enough time to maybe make a quick adjustment and uh then you're going racing so uh you know between you know the practice and everything we knew we had to take a car there capable to you know be quick out to shoot and and everything we've had plenty of time racing out there in nashville so uh you know we knew kind of where the car needed to be and of course driving line all that stuff i was pretty comfortable with uh it's one of my one of my favorite tracks in the country just the uh characteristics of the racetrack and and, and all that i just I've always enjoyed it up there. So seems like we kind of hit everything perfect the whole weekend. Practice, we were really good. Um, I was thinking there was going to be no problem probably qualifying on the pole for the race and actually qualified third. So, um, you know, I didn't really know what to quite expect in the race. Uh, I didn't quite have the qualifying speed I, I wish I had. But come long run of the race, man, the car was probably the best it's ever been there. It was outrageously fast. I ended up with a bad invert, you know, qualifying third. The invert was six, so I had to start fourth. So I kind of had to work my way through that. And the, uh, the show was kind of needing to get by. The previous races were getting cut short, so I knew I... Uh, Kind of needed to make things happen quick. And, of course, they do double file restarts there on a track that's mainly one lane. I mean, the outside does not work. So I knew I had to get myself in a position to restart on the inside. And I, I knew I needed to get out front. Um, you know, because ultimately out front's where I'm most comfortable because I'm in the position I want to be in. And I can really, uh, you know make the race kind of go as I want. I can, I can make my own starts and I can, I can, you know, manipulate things being in the front and all that stuff. So I uh, wanted to be out front, but I actually didn't pass for the lead until about four or five laps to go. So uh took a while getting to where I wanted to be, but I knew I had the speed in the car to, to get there. So uh once I got out front, man, the car was so good. I, I knew that uh, I was probably going to stay there. And there's so much history in that track. I mean, Nashville Fairgrounds is so much history with NASCAR, short track racing. I know NASCAR is trying to work their way to get back there. I know they're doing a lot of renovations over there at the track as well. When you go to a track like that where there's so much history involved and, and the greats that have gone there and raised and have won, what does that feel to you as a, as a racer to be a part of that legendary history of being one of those many drivers who have got a checkered flag and a victory? It's such an historic track like that. Oh, it's great. You know, um, the little bit of talks here and there that you hear, you can't help but to hear in the racing world is the fact that, uh, you know, they're talking about closing the Nashville down or closing the fairgrounds down. And I think they've worked a lot of that out in court, basically, and all that stuff you know, with all the politics involved and all that. And that would be one of the biggest shames, I feel like, on the face of the earth if they close that track down because it's, you know, they have successful uh, weekend programs. The All-American 400 is huge, you know. It's not like the racetrack struggling anyway. It's just a political thing that, that, that they've struggled with kind of getting odds and ends out. And that's kind of what the situation we ran into that night was uh, they have uh, early curfews at like 9 o'clock and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, to, to be the program to be shut down So uh, at a certain time. So uh, just with all that being said, though, just the history of the track with NASCAR being there, I, I would be so excited to see, you know, whether it be the Craftsman Truck Series back there or um, – 
I don't know if they'd ever do the Xfinity or NASCAR uh, back there, but uh, you know, the truck series there, man, that would be absolutely amazing. And, and, you know, to kind of etch my name and somewhere, you know, along the all American 400 weekend and, and winning the legends program is, uh, is really cool. The stands were packed Friday night for, you know, just the, the local program that night. So, uh, you know, and I've always been treated very well up there, you know, with my after my wins and you know, after my interviews up there, uh, you know, the fan base uh, always cheers very loud for me and everything. So I, I kind of feel like maybe it's, a, um, you know, it's not my home track, but sometimes I feel like I'm at home there up there. So uh, I enjoyed a lot. Speaking with short track driver from the race team of Georgia, Jensen uh, Jorgensen on this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio. And as we approach the end of the year, Jensen, I know you've had a lot of success uh, during Thursday's Thunder Land Motor Speedway. You raced at Charlotte as well and have had great success. But as the year closes and we start a new calendar year in 2024 uh what are your plans for next year you can continue to do what you're doing or or, or do you want to try to move up what are what are the plans for you next year i've dabbled with the late model stuff a little bit this year kind of cut my teeth at, at some of that late model stuff and it's a whole different world at that racetrack uh you know doing late model stuff but um i uh you know plan on running um some more races down there at five flags um hopefully we can uh work out some of the details and, and get down there to the uh, snowflake 100 at the snowball derby weekend and and do some of that stuff um and obviously just continue the legend program i uh you know i have a few customers of my own that that we take care of and uh you know i i still enjoy to do it myself um the legend stuff has always uh you know it, it's some of the most fun i can have i've done i've done a couple different classes of racing and always just the legend program seems to to bring me back and and have i have a lot of enjoyment with it so um you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff. Uh, we kind of did things a little bit different this year. Instead of hitting a lot of the local events and local races, we kind of sat at home and made sure my stuff was perfect and went, do some of this random fun stuff. We just got back from Vegas a few weeks ago. Didn't have quite the success I wish I would have had out there, but had a lot of fun doing it. So um, it's kind of a lot of stuff we're doing. We wanted to hit Nashville. It's outside of the point series, but it's the All-American 400 weekend, and it's just so much fun to go up there and, and race. So uh, hitting a lot of these just big events is, is where we seem to have the most fun. And, and some of these... Uh, you know, historic races. We plan on running Speed Fest out at Core Deal in, at the end of January, uh, the Legends program. Um, you know, obviously, I, I wish I could do more late model racing, but uh, that's sponsorship willing. You know, uh, it takes a, it takes quite a, uh, quite a funding to, to be able to do that competitively. And uh, along with that, it takes a lot of people and uh, a lot of moving parts to, to do late model stuff. It's nothing that you can, you know, my dad and I, we do the Legend stuff ourselves and have our own clientele with the Legend stuff. Um, we've done it for many years, been able to, uh, not just, you know, help pay for it, but we kind of, you know, we do it just, uh, for fun and all that stuff too. So, um, we enjoyed that a lot. And uh, I don't know, I kind of, my racing career is kind of getting to the point where, um, you just never know. Uh, we've kind of done the late model stuff and, um, I've been kind of, we kind of nagging my dad a little bit. I, I, I want to go do some of the dirt merger stuff up at, up at Millbridge. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll figure out how to kind of get up and, and do some of that stuff. But, um, you know, going into next year, there's no huge plans or no, nothing on the books or nothing, but uh, you never know. <laughs> well, Jensen, if our listeners want to follow along with your career, keep up what's going on for you the rest of the year and catch up on what's going on for you in 2024, where do we steer them to keep up with all the latest information and news? Mostly everything's on uh, my Instagram page at Jensen Jorgensen, and, and it, it's kind of a mixture of my racing life and my personal life. So, uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot to see there, and uh, that's really about it. I mean, I... Uh, I don't really have much other social media than that. I have a Twitter, but I uh, don't use it as much as I, as I should. I do more, uh, uh, 
you know, watching, uh, reading up on podcasts and, and, and watching stuff like that. Uh, but my personal, you know, my personal racing life is all caught up on my Instagram. This is Leah Pruitt and you're listening to Southern Race Week. Hello and welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you here along the far flung Southern Race Week Radio Network at Southie as we wrap up this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And once again, thank you to our great guests for joining us this week here on Southern Race Week Radio. Of course, Doug Turnbull, the Performance Racing Network, Ted Austed from Atlanta Motor Speedway with the latest in short track news, and then also Georgia short track driver Jensen Jorgensen. So once again, thanks so much for these gentlemen joining us this week here on this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio. And don't forget to vote for the NASCAR Most Popular Driver in the Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series. If you do want to vote for this year's most popular driver award, just head on over to NASCAR.com or check out the NASCAR app. You can vote once a day daily, and the vote runs through, let me see here, into Wednesday, November 29th. So you have a couple of weeks here to get your votes in for NASCAR's most popular driver award. Also, if you want to need the latest in racing news and information, well, that'll be available for you on our social media locations. So head on over to our Facebook page and like us at facebook.com slash the race week or follow us on Twitter at SRW Radio. And then also we have an email address. So feel free to email us and let us know what you think about the radio broadcast or the podcast anytime you would like to. Just email us at srwradio at yahoo.com. Once again, that is srwradio at yahoo.com. And once again, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to tune into the radio show or download and listen to the podcast version of the show, which is available for you at iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And this week's edition of the Southern Race Week Radio Show will be available as a podcast for you on Monday. So enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll catch back up with you next week for another brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. Thank you.